Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, March 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Economists say disruptions caused by the coronavirus outbreak are driving the global economy closer to a recession, and policymakers are under pressure to respond. Plus, Jack Dorsey's role as Twitter chief executive is under threat, and the U.S. state of Wyoming is in talks with Occidental Petroleum over a land purchase, the likes of which haven't been seen since the 19th century. Plus, Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the Democratic presidential race on Sunday night after a poor showing in South Carolina. Heading into Super Tuesday, when 14 states will vote, one party candidate is still leading in the polls. The FT's Rob Armstrong will tell us how Wall Street is weighing up the idea of Bernie Sanders in the White House. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Research consultancy Capital Economics has cut its growth forecast for the global economy by 0.4 percentage points, bringing it to 2.5% for the year. The head of research at the firm said that if the outbreak becomes a global pandemic, and some are already calling it that, the effects could be as bad as 2009, when world GDP fell by half a percent. So what are policymakers to do? Some are arguing that the coronavirus is a supply shock to the economy, workers are being asked to stay home, and they're not producing their regular output. And so, they argue, stimulus would be ineffective. But it's difficult to tell the difference between a lack of demand caused by people deciding not to spend during an epidemic and a pure supply shock. Some central banks and governments are taking action. Yesterday, Italy announced that it would pour more than 3.5 billion euros into the economy to mitigate the impact of the crisis. The country has the largest outbreak in Europe. Meanwhile, the European Commission has earmarked more than 230 million euros on measures to help contain the disease. On Friday, Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell signaled that the central bank was considering responding to the, quote, evolving risks to the U.S. economy. And now to Twitter, where activist hedge fund Elliott Management is pushing for big changes. The New York-based fund has taken a stake worth more than a billion dollars in the social media company, and now it's laid out its concerns about corporate governance to the Twitter board. It's also pushing for chief executive and co-founder Jack Dorsey to be removed from his post. Elliott says it has a problem with Mr. Dorsey being CEO of both Twitter and the fintech company Square, which he also founded. Plus, they're looking at Twitter's high turnover rate among senior operating and financial executives. Another of Elliott's concerns, that Twitter hasn't been able to consistently convert users into advertising revenue. The fund thinks leadership changes can close that gap. Shares in Twitter dropped by a fifth in October after the company reported a poor third quarter, owed to problems in its ad placement technology. Elliott holds 4% of the company, making it one of Twitter's top 10 shareholders. And now a story about a potential land deal of historic proportions. The U.S. state of Wyoming is in talks to buy millions of acres of land from Occidental Petroleum. The oil and gas producer has put the land up for sale as it tries to pay down the debt from its acquisition of Anadarko Petroleum. The company is under pressure with oil prices sliding below $50 a barrel, not to mention activist shareholder Carl Icahn pushing for change at the company. Meanwhile, Wyoming is advancing legislation that would authorize it to use state funds to acquire the land. Sources say the price ranges between $1 billion and $3 billion. And to put this in a historical perspective, lawmakers say this would be the biggest U.S. land deal since 1867, 
when the government bought the land that would later become Alaska from Russia. The deal could deepen Wyoming's exposure to natural resources at a time when the state's finances are crumbling as taxes on coal and natural gas decline. But state officials consider the land to have the potential for wind and solar farms, livestock grazing, and other utilities. Occidental confirmed the auction for the acreage. People briefed on the matter said that several energy-focused private equity groups and public-listed companies have expressed interest. And here's a story you should know more about. On Sunday evening, Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the Democratic presidential race. The former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, pulled off an early victory at the Iowa caucuses, but he struggled to pick up votes in Nevada and most recently in South Carolina, largely due to his inability to attract non-white voters. His withdrawal could be a boost for former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, who won Saturday's primary. But Mr. Biden and the rest of the Democratic candidates are still playing catch-up to Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Mr. Sanders is considered the national favorite going into Super Tuesday, where 14 states will vote on the party candidates. And if Mr. Sanders does end up in the White House, America's financial system could look very different than it does today. What the senator is most famous for are some broad social welfare programs that have appeal to a lot of America. That's the FT's Rob Armstrong. Mr. Sanders is promising things such as single-payer national health insurance so all Americans are covered, and student loan forgiveness. Other plans, should Mr. Sanders ever get the opportunity to implement them from the Oval Office, make some people nervous. He has a very specific and far-reaching set of plans for Wall Street. Certainly, he would want to break up big banks. Certainly, he would want to put on a financial transactions tax that would have a big effect on trading operations on Wall Street. And he has also talked in the past about changing how the Federal Reserve operates. Right. And there's another thing Mr. Sanders has proposed, a cap on interest rates on all consumer loans at 15 percent. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting because on the one hand, 15 percent interest rate in this day and age of low rates sounds very high. Uh, And certainly credit card companies, even their average rates, are often higher than that for people who revolve balances on their credit cards. Subprime auto lenders often charge rates like that. And payday lenders, although they don't call themselves that, charge a multiple of that rate. So it seems it's very appealing to think, well, if we cap interest rates, then a lot of working class people will have a significant benefit. The question is, there's two possible outcomes when you cap the rate. One is that there is a transfer of wealth between lenders who charge a lot of money and the people borrowing. The second is that lending money to people who are low income becomes a non-viable business and it just stops happening. And Rob, Can you talk a little bit about what this might mean for these borrowers? So a subprime credit card or a subprime auto borrower, those borrowers as a class will have default rates in excess of 10%. That means every year, 10% of your borrowers just ain't going to pay back. So what what does a lender have to charge to make money when they know they're going to get a 10% default rate. Uh, 
right? You're going to start at 10%, and that's just to break even. And you have other events, and you have operating costs, and et cetera, et cetera, and they, you have debt costs you have to pay. So there is a good argument to say there would be a lot less credit available for low-income people if interest rates are capped. Now, you might decide that's a good thing, but it would not be a simple transfer of wealth from lender to borrower. What does this mean for the potential revenue at these financial institutions? I mean, I, I would guess that it would make, for the big banks everybody associates with credit cards, whether that's Capital One, Citibank, J.P. Morgan Chase, if this policy or a policy like it were to pass, and that is a big asterisk, it would mean their credit card businesses got smaller. I mean, what we saw in the last financial crisis was credit card companies pulling lines, by which I mean they're no longer extending as much credit at the low end. They, you know, they always want to lend money to the well-to-do because the well-to-do pay back. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.